Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there, welcome to episode 108 of Launchpad. What do you think of the new intro? Um, I'll be honest, I am constantly looking for new projects every day. Uh, I'm like a small child, I must keep myself occupied and hey, let's do a new podcast intro that gave me a project for the day, so I hope you like it. Uh, Speaking of the new normal that we now live in, my guest today had a book scheduled to come out right when the pandemic hit. She had press planned. She had book tours. She had to cancel all of it. And yet the book became a New York Times bestseller, thereby proving that our best laid plans sometimes don't matter. And her name is Jen Gotch. She is the she created a company called Bando. That's B-A-N dot D-O in 2008. It is a multi-million dollar company. She's got a massive Instagram following. And she's best known probably for being uh, an advocate for mental health. And that is what her book, The Upside of Being Down, is all about. So in this episode, we talk about some of the very practical tips she has Uh, including uh, creating gifts and products and getting these out to influencers, as well as the more emotional aspects of what goes into a successful launch, which is to say, accept what's happening, say a pandemic, and just watch and see what amazing things will unfold that you had not planned. So as usual, uh, there are show notes available. You can get them by going to launchpad.com slash blog slash Jen Gotch. And that's G-O-T-C-H. And that is it. Obviously, if you like this podcast, my God, I'd be grateful for your review. I read every single one and they mean a lot. Even the one that said that I say "Mm -hmm," too much, even that one. Anyway, enough from me. I give you Jen Gotch. Thank you so much for doing this. (laughs) It's You're welcome. thrilling. Um, so I have been following your jur- journey. And, um, you know, so I knew your book was coming out. I saw what you were planning. And then I saw basically it not happen as like the world fell apart. Yes. And then I saw you become a New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> right? And your dad yes. thinks about it. So, so, I mean, it's kind of an amazing story for anyone who's thinking about marketing a book to see like you can have all of these plans. They go totally awry and look at the success you can have. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. 
So let's talk about what was the actual release date in terms of when the world fell apart? Was it like that day? No. Um, so the release date was March 24th. I would say around March 16th, somewhere around there, I'd have to look, was when we were like, I don't think this book tour is going to happen. Right. Like at that point, that was um, that was like the first thing. And then it sort of slowly dissolved after that um, because then all the book t- bookstores were closed. You know, it sort of just yeah. went into this thing. So um, it went from denial to like, maybe I'll do a book tour with no hugging to um, no one's going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and where were you planning to go? Your publisher had set this all up, right? Yeah. So well, actually, um, Bando, the company I founded, had done part of it. So the, so the publisher did the first week, and then we had another three weeks with Bando. Um, so I was going everywhere, really, like, you know, major cities, some cities that aren't major but have um, – stores and bando communities in them um yeah (laughs) and and the other thing that was really interesting i think about your story is that you talked even to publishers or just agents about doing a book many many years ago and then it's like oh and this is my time yeah so talk talk to me about that had people had come to you wanting you to do a book Yes. And I, and, and I think like being able to recognize the appropriate time when there's like the least amount of resistance around anything is really important just in in life, not, you know, not just for authors, but certainly um, within the context of, of your show. Um, I, I think I always wanted to write a book. I never really saw how that would happen just given where I ended up going professionally. And, um, And then, yeah, I think because of social media, you know, very early on, I would get approached. um, And I just didn't see how I, I mean, without even knowing the enormity of the book writing process, um, which I wholeheartedly underestimated. um, I just was so consumed with Bando that I didn't really see how I would do it. You know, we'd get in these discussions and nothing was clicking. And then um, I did a speaking engagement and the people that ran that the conference were like, we want to, we want to start publishing books and we would love for you to do one. And at that point I was like starting to feel like I wanted to do it and I was going to write a business book, um, which we, we worked on for a few months and it sort of just fell apart. And then my editor who I ended up, Lauren Spiegel at Simon and Schuster gallery books, um, she probably had started five years ago um, the conversation. And then she would tap in, um, every couple of years. And then the last time she tapped in, uh, I was the most open to it, you know, just as far as like where I was, I had less day-to-day responsibilities at Bandeau. And, um, my friend Busy was writing a book at the time and she said something about her editor, Lauren. And I was like, Lauren Spiegel. She's like, yeah. I was like, that's the editor that's been calling me. And I was like, I think I took that as a sign that this was the time and just sort of went from there. And, um, and what was, okay. So you said undertaking the process was kind of more than you even anticipated. Why exactly? Um, well, I wasn't 
first and foremost, I was not as good at it as I thought I was going to be, <laughs> which is a common mistake for me. Um, and it just consumed more brain space than I thought, even though like hours writing per day were, you know, was maybe three, but it didn't leave me the brain space to really do anything else effectively. And I think, and I think this is true for, especially for creative professionals, you can see the beginning and you can see the end really clearly. And the middle part is a little murky, but you're just like, ah, that'll be the easy part. And that ends up being the part that has so many surprises. I mean, the book ended up very similar to what I thought it would be. There wasn't like any, things. So it was like, I had my eye on the prize, but there was a lot in between that was just surprising to me. And, and did you, how did it work with your editor? Did you write chapters and send her to get feedback? Did you just do the whole first draft? So, um, she was out on maternity leave for part of it. So I, I was sort of left to my own devices for quite some time actually. And we, um, when we shot the book cover, which was like, years ago now, <laughs> I hadn't written a word. And I was just like, this feels really scary that they're paying for this whole photo shoot and I haven't done anything. And um, eventually I, I, I started to dig in and I realized pretty quickly that, like I said, it just was a lot harder for me than I thought. Um, I just didn't understand how, you know, I can write an Instagram caption, like, you know, there's no, I just pick up my phone and go, but like structurally understanding it. So, so I actually ended up hiring a personal editor, um, a couple months in because I didn't even realize that was a thing, you know? And, um, and my editor was sort of like, you do some writing and, and give me something, once you have, you know, uh, a little bit before first draft, it was like six chapters when I ended up doing it, but she really wasn't going to get heavy into the editing until there was a first draft. So, um, so yeah, so I had help. Um, and then when I turned in the first six chapters, um, Lauren didn't like them. <laughs> she, 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 there was a lot she liked about it, but there was a lot that she didn't. And I was like, completely shocked um, because I haven't really been bad at something in so long. And I really didn't understand the book writing process and like the way feedback was going to come in and that, you know, oftentimes an editor will be like, cut these 3000 words and it's, you've written about your life and you feel gutted. Um, so, so yeah, so so at that point was when I realized I was going to need even more help um, because I had written 100,000 words, but <laughs> I only needed like 60 and they were just, I was writing like I was talking, I guess, which is, as you can see now by talking to me, not the most we linear got 100,000 words already. Yeah, and you know what I mean? Just put me in front of a wall. So um so anyway, so then I ended up hiring a, another editor who was just like knew what to do with this. Like it's almost, I liken it to like in my job as 
chief creative officer, like I'm the one with the ideas and all the, and we should do this and that. And then there's like a CEO um, mm. that makes sense of all of that foolishness and can actually extract the value. And so Rachel Birchie, um, who ended up coming on was just that for me. And she could remember what was in chapter two when I was telling the story again. And she's like, you already told that story. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's sort of the process. I eventually went out to the desert and sort of sequestered myself to finish the first draft. And then, um, and then once that was complete, then Lauren was very heavily involved in the editing. Um, it's so interesting when you sort of talk about business comparable to writing. Okay. So I told you before we started recording that, that I just have, we have so many commonalities, same age, moved to LA at the same time, took, suffer from anxiety therapy since I was 16 actually. And then, but we did the opposite in that I became a writer, Mm. um, sold my first book when I was 30 you know, I kept writing books and then realized like a year and a half ago, two years ago, wait a minute, this business thing, I don't need to be broke. How interesting. Um, <laughs> and, and started a business. And I've just completed my, my eighth book, which I'm calling a bizwar because it's a business book memoir. And your book is the closest thing I've ever read to a bizwar, especially yeah. I just made the term up. Um, <laughs> Because it really is, there is a lot of business, there are business lessons woven throughout. Was that, that made your job, as a writer, I can tell you that made your job harder. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I wanted to write a, you know, having wanted to write a business book at one point and then really wanting to write a self-help book, the memoir piece really came from my editor. And so going in, I had all of these topics that I wanted to cover and, and I, had a podcast at the time and had covered a lot of those topics and was sort of all over the place. So, so I actually think the ability to sort of do it chronologically helped like weave the business piece in sort of seamlessly because it was just during a specific chunk of time that was at the forefront, you know, um, same with like the mental health stuff. It was like really, although, you know, when you struggle, you, it never fully goes away, but it was my twenties that really had me focused on that purely. So, so it actually didn't, of all the things that were hard, that, <laughs> that wasn't as hard as you would think. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about, so you said it was, you shot the cover a long time ago. Yeah. How long was it from Simon and Schuster buying the book to it coming out? Um, I would say almost two years, yeah. I think. Yeah, it takes a long time. I, and you probably, you know, maybe since we're similar, had a similar experience early on. Um, when I signed the contract, I said to my agent, what's the fastest anyone's ever written a book? And she was like, I don't know, nine months. And I'm like, I'm going to do it in six. And then um, the fact that it actually took me, I mean, I, I missed several due dates. Like the book was supposed to come out last October um, and then this January. And then obviously instead it released in the middle of a pandemic, which I think is the perfect time, but, um, I'm a huge believer in timing, but yeah, it took me a lot longer than I thought. And just like with everything else, you know, you just see the end product and you're like, Oh, that seemed quick and easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, and so, and so in terms, you had the book tour plan. What else did you have planned for the launch? 
Um, I mean, the book tour was the most major piece because it really was going to go for almost six weeks. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of marketing, uh, alongside that, but I really planned to be out of pocket for March and April. You know, I had really started early March. I was in New York starting the press tour and then I had a couple speaking things lined up and then it was just going to be city to city, you know, different city every day. But also TV, I would imagine. And there, there was some, I think by the time that that was really coming together, was it was already like, the timing was interesting because I feel like now um, people have their approach, you know, that it's like, we're all digitized. We're, you know, news is being broadcast from news anchors, living rooms. Like, like I think it's sorted when it happened for me, people were just like, are we shut down? Are we not shut down? Like it was a very, that those few weeks were like incredibly transitional. Um, in an effort to give hope to authors that are launching coming up. Like, I think there's at least, you know, people are, have sort of reconciled that we're going to be in our homes and, and they figured it out. But. And, um, and so let me ask you this in terms yes. of doing a book, what do you, do you, did you, and have you seen it sort of launch you to into a new aspect of your career? Did you want to do it for that reason? Um, I wanted to, the reason I wanted to do it outside of it being a childhood dream was, um, I really felt like in sharing those stories and just being honest about stuff that is hard for a lot of people to just be honest or forthright about, I would help a lot of other people. Um, and that wasn't a hunch that was like, because of my podcast or because of my Instagram, it was just something I heard over and over again. And I thought like, what a what an amazing opportunity to like have a dream of mine come true while also fulfilling this other dream, which is to help people. So I, it felt more like a purpose thing than a career move. Um, I mean, although now I'm like, maybe I'm an author. Like I'm already thinking about what I would write next. And I wasn't expecting that. I was like thinking like it's a one and done thing and I would just continue on my path. But I, I feel like now, um, who knows? you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, cause a lot of people I talk to will do a book specifically to raise their speaking fees. Got it. I like got 5,000 to 20,000 or whatever. Oh. And, and, you know, even though you are reaching a lot of people with the mental health message, you're reaching a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, assuming speaking gigs still happen in our <laughs> upcoming culture, then, then I imagine that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I, I was start, you know, I was speaking a lot before the book. Well, not a lot, but I, you know, I was doing speaking. Um, and then I sort of shut all of that down to do the book. And then I was, I, I signed with Simon, Simon and Schuster have a speakers bureau. So I, I was, and we were st like, again, those things were, the book wasn't launched yet. So it was like, things were just starting to happen. And I think like, yeah, we're just going to be in a virtual space, but um, I wish I could say I was that strategic in, in my authoring of the book of just, I, I think I, I'm more of a, um, 
driven by like my intuition and my gut where it pulls me and I don't often know why I'm doing something. I just know that it's the thing I feel like I need to be doing at that moment. So I'm not one that operates with like many goals and plans, but I'm just like, this is my, this is what it should be right now. So. Which is interesting too, because you, you know, entrepreneur first, like, did you use any of what you've learned through business to launch this book? Oh, I used everything that I've learned through business. You know, um, I mean, pivoting is a huge part of business. So, you know, if you have a business, um, so the, you know, having had that experience so many times or have things go wrong or timing get drastically off with a product launch or whatever. Um, I mean, obviously nothing can compare to this, but it, it was a muscle I had used before. So, and because, um, you know, a, a lot of the, the publicity and the marketing around the book was very much in conjunction with the team at Bandeau. Like it has been a major priority this year. So the whole team knew how to do that. So we were just like, okay, like we weren't going to dwell on what was lost. We were like, what do we do? You know? And I think for me personally, I understand the connection I have with my community on social media. So I knew very quickly, like, this is going to be my outlet. This is going to be my only outlet really. So I need to, um, get right with that, (laughs) with being on my phone (laughs) all the time, which is not how I ran my social media prior to that. So, and besides pivoting, what other business, uh, experience played into the launch? Um, well, certainly, I mean, certainly the cover of the book was, you know, they really let me creative direct that thing. We used all the talent that I used for Bando photo shoots to design the book and take the pictures and everything because, you know, I was basically like, we've been selling books. They've just been blank or they've been planners, you know, but like the we understand book covers, you know? Um, and so I certainly, you know, was going off of a lot of evidence that I had through Bandel. Um, I think just like communication, there's, there's obviously the communication was really heightened between myself, Bandel, our PR company, Simon, you know, gallery books, their whole marketing and PR company. And so I think like understanding how to not take people off of CC on emails, <laughs> things that seem very, you know, like a tiny thing, but can really disrupt a line of communication. Um, you know, I think it was all those things. There's probably a lot of things that I just take for granted that I know that I'm not saying here. Um, but I think most of all, just having the experience of like, um, being upended in radical ways and made it feel, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, you must be devastated. And I was like, I, I really didn't. I, I was heartbroken for a day. And then I was like, well, we're either going to do this. <laughs> Let's see what we can come up with, you know? Um, and, and how, how big a role would you say Instagram played in the huge? Time? I mean, it is the role. I mean, outside of obviously their, um, the joint PR efforts, I mean, these guys were champions. There was so much press. I mean, I got a spread in People Magazine. I was like, big coverage in the LA Times. Like, there was, there's so much coverage that that was amazing. But 
at the end of the day, like um, what I saw, the response immediately that I saw on Instagram was so overwhelming for me and more than I had seen any other time in my life. Um, so I just, I was like, this is the place of energy and Bando, obviously it's sort of the same thing. I mean, they have a much larger um, audience on Instagram than I do. And, you know, we just leaned heavily leaned into that. Um, and so people in LA times and all of that was planned pre pandemic and shot. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it came out post or no, it came out. It came out right before they both came out the week before the book was launching. And so, and so in terms of sort of, I don't know, doubling down on Instagram, what, what were there actual techniques or were you just kind of like, I'm going to post more, I'm going to post excerpts from the book, you know, stuff like that. You know, here's my thing. I, I mean, I did, I did a gifting, a book gifting, which is like, um, a great thing to do. And again, so there's, there's the thing I forgot. That's a huge thing for Bando. Like obviously if we're having a product launch, we will send things to, um, celebrities that we've become friends with or just huge proponents of the brand. Um, and so I sort of applied the same, applied the same sensibility to the book and, and we had made, you know, I made these hats and like we made some things like some products that we were going to sell alongside the book. And so, um, we did a, we did a gifting, which I was like terrified that UPS was going to shut down because I knew, you know, that would really help. So I think like that was a big strategy as far as like doing something that's a bit more pervasive that like it, you know, if I could, if people would end up talking about it, that, that, would obviously help spread the word. Like Instagram was going to be the way to spread the word, not just for mine. So I think like strategically that was the first thing I was very committed to not digging in on like numbers and goals. And you've got to say buy the book five times a day. Like I just didn't, I felt really, really strongly, which is strange as a business person, but from the get go, they put me on one numbers email very early on. And I was like, please take me off of all of this because it's not why I wrote the book. And my business mind will get so deep into that, that I will lose sight of why I did this. And I really didn't want that. So launch week was interesting for me because I wanted to temper my responsibility to the publisher but also not do anything I wasn't comfortable with. So I spent a lot of time, part of my Instagram strategy was meditating on what, what truly feels right and comfortable for me. And then I just, you know, I, I, I go by what my audience and community responds to. So I just tried things. I, you know, I, I, Sometimes I read, sometimes I, you know, I, I, there were quotes that I felt were very resonant and used those. Um, but mostly I just continued being me because like, I mean, I have the luxury of the book is me and the topics of the book overnight became more relevant to more people, you know? Right. And, and so I, so I got incredibly lucky that everything I would normally do just empowered all of that. And without it feeling like I was pandering to, you know, I just didn't, I, I'm not comfortable with that ever. Um, and I certainly didn't want to do it here. And I, I honestly, like, um, 
I mean, I guess it's a good book that people like, you know, they, I, I just watched people talk about it and share it and promote it without me asking or, you know, and, and so, so I guess if you were to apply that to a book, that's not mine, you know, I do think it's important to decide what you as the author want to do and be relatively unwavering in that. I mean, you know why you put your work out there, whatever the reason, it doesn't have to be the same reason as mine. Um, you know, and you, you have an audience, whether it's you're still finding that audience or you know, you know, but it, it's like really plugging into that. And I think my strength through all of that was to not feel desperate, was to just completely mm. let go and accept the situation and say, I have stood by my, you know, my purpose this entire time, whatever is going to happen, like it's already written not the book, but the path, (laughs) you know, and I think if nothing else that really helped my sanity, I I don't know if that contributed or not. I have to, I'm a huge believer of those things contributing, but I think to not get caught up in like how you're going to grind on this book release as hard as that sounds, I, I actually think really amazing things can happen that way. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, you know, I had six miserable book releases because I was trying to control what happened because I was comparing and despairing. And then I had one amazing one and it was the one I published myself because I just decided, yes, I was going to go with it. And, and that energy, your audience feels that energy. Uh, Desperate energy translates. Agreed. Well, and and certainly now is not the time for that. You know, I think people want to see others being passionate and resilient, you know, in a thoughtful way. But I have learned in life in general, the more you can let go, the more you open yourself up for opportunities that you didn't even know existed because you're so connected to just this one outcome and it being specifically this way that you just completely lose sight to the, like, millions of other outcomes (laughs) that we can't conceive of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But will you actually walk me through what the gifting process was created products that had the book title on them and then, and then figured out who you were giving them to? Yeah. Some, you know, um, I mean, it was mostly about getting the book in people's hands and obviously like I wanted to, um, to everyone's chagrin, write a note and an inscription in each book. And um, I mean, we, we sent out quite, I mean, maybe it was like 80 or a hundred just based on like personal friends of mine, friends of our brand. You know, we did some research on like book influencers. um, And then yes, inside of it, um, it, it was sort of like a tiered system. Like we weren't sending products to everyone. You know, some people we knew would just be interested in the book, but I did, I made these hats that had the bright yellow hats that have the upside of being down the title on it um, that I insisted that no one, everyone was like, no one's going to wear that. And then we sold out in days. And I was like, I told you, Um, we made a t-shirt that celebrates the book, but it doesn't say the book's name. It's like, um, it says something about like, I read a self-help book and all I got was an increased level of self-awareness and something else. Like it's sort of like a play on like my, my grandparents went to the keys and all I got was this yeah. um, horrible t-shirt. Um, 
And then I don't think there was anything else in there. there oh, a zine. We Bando made like a little zine for to for pre-orders. You know, a lot of times with pre-orders, um, yep. you, there'll be an incentive to pre-order. So that was that. So yeah. And then, um, you know, just put it together in a very creative way because we can't do anything simply at our company. Um, and and then just let it go from there. And again, I think it goes the same, you know, it, you have to apply the sensibility of your book and your community. And um, you can reach out to PR agencies. You can mess. I mean, people message me all the time on Instagram to be like, can I send you my book? Um, you know, now is certainly the time to start asking for those things, especially if it's people that you think it's going to resonate with. Like I, I certainly wasn't advocating for sending the book to people that I just felt like are not, Right. They don't want to read it. <laughs> you know, I think you have to be sensible. And did you, so somebody else, someone listening who would want to do that, would you just say, um, you know, make a list of, you know, e even if you don't know an influencer or whatever, maybe you know someone who does yes. or, or whatever it is. Yes. You absolutely know someone who knows someone who knows someone that yeah. there's just no way in this day and age. I mean, you can go on that influencer and see who they fo follow and see if it's, any, you know, I mean, you can, you can get in there um, and you can obviously, you know, speak to your publisher about that, but it, where you just ask them directly. And like I said, that people ask me directly. Yes. I say yes. Or I say no, depending on whether or not it's something that I think, you know, um, will work and, and know that, for, for anyone that you're sending the book to, there's no obligation on their end um, to do anything with it. And I think for me, you know, the hope was someone was going to read it and feel compelled to share. And that's really all, I mean, that's what book selling is all about. You know, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, obviously now we're more limited because people aren't just coming across the book in a store for the most part, but like you really are investing on people liking it much that they're going to tell someone to read it and like people are at home reading right now so i mean you could very well look at this as a great opportunity for yeah. people to discover your book not the worst time ever i just saw a statistic this morning about um some categories are up reading is up 500 percent. oh my gosh i believe it you know i mean i i i think there's i think there's a lot I just think there's a lot that you can do. I haven't done that much, but I think there's virtual book clubs. There's, you know, you could do specific Instagram lives for it, virtual book tours, like, um, because people are engaged with books in a way that they weren't, you know, uh, we're running out of TV. We're <laughs> yeah, I've seen that meme. I finished Netflix. Oh uh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> It's yeah. Good. Now, okay. And so let's talk about this New York Times bestseller. So unexpected given the <laughs> circumstances, right? I mean, based on yeah. your, it seemed like that. So what happened? You got a call from Simon and Schuster. How'd you find out? Yeah. I, you know, certainly, uh, months and months ago, I was like, man, that would be really cool. And, um, and everyone was on board with making that happen. You know, um, obviously when the book tour got canceled and then bookstores closed, I was like, I don't think that that, I don't think that that happens now. And, and so I really, um, worked on getting right with that. Cause it's very rare that I would have my 
sight set on something that big. And I wanted to make sure that going into that first week, that wasn't my focus because I just, something good was going to happen regardless. And like when I first got the, when people started giving me feedback, I'm like, oh, I've done the thing that I set out to do. The rest of it doesn't really matter. But of course it's still in the, in the back of my mind, but I didn't understand what day they announced it. So I actually thought it had been announced um, because the date that they apply to it is so far in advance that I had like looked earlier in the week and I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I told my dad and I was like, I'm sorry, dad. I think my dad was more let down than I was. And, and, um, and so like the next day in the afternoon, my editor texted me and she was like, I have some good news. Call me. And I was like, I wonder what the news could be. Like it did not even occur to me. Um, and, and I'm the type of person that can figure out who the murderer is in a movie in the first 30 seconds. So it was weird that my brain didn't be like, maybe, um, and then when she got on the phone, she was like, let's loop Monica in, my agent. And I was like, oh, this must be really good news. I wonder, like, are there, maybe it's like some other list. And then she said, um, Dr. Jamie, that's my dad. She's like, Dr. Jamie's going to be really happy because his daughter is a New York Times bestselling author. And I was like, come again? <laughs> what do you mean? What's that? You're like, do I have another sister? I know, I know. I literally was like... I, it's, I don't, don't get shocked that, that often. And I, I was just like, that is so cool. And I think the thing that made me the happiest is I knew that not everyone had gone through the spiritual practice of letting go of that. And I knew it was a goal for lots of people. And I just was so excited to be able to have good news for like this huge team of people that really had a part in the book and whether it was shooting the cover or promoting it or packing up gift boxes while we're social distancing with masks on prior to anything even being a thing, you know, to be able to spread that news was like incredibly thrilling for me. Um, and so if, okay, so if you had to sum up with your top three tips for launching a book successfully, what would they be? In this, in, in the times of Corona? <laughs> in the times of Corona and normally. <laughs> these times will end allegedly. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, I think, I, I, I feel like a lot of it could work for both. And I actually think some of it really starts at the beginning when you're writing the book and you're setting your intentions for the book, whether it be a novel and you just want to, you know, in, entertain people or it's a business book and you, you know, you want to share your knowledge of this particular type of business. I think having an intention, I had an intention for each chapter that was my touchstone. And I think getting intimate with those intentions helps you when you come, when it comes time to launch it. You know, I think if it's just like, I've just turned out a book and it's a thing and, um, you know, it's, it's just this widget that I'm selling. Not that, not that any author would feel that way, but it would be easy to start to look at it that way when, when it's basically the time that you're looking at the book's performance, right? Um, so, so I think getting your, getting your relationship to your work right is really important going in. And then I think it's like challenging yourself to be resourceful, which to me the best way to do that is 
to eliminate the negative thinking and the and your and focusing on the obstacles um, and the things that aren't going to happen or didn't happen, and just let those clear a path for the things that can happen. Right. And um, you know, you wrote a book, so there's no way that you don't have. I mean, the resourcefulness that you need in writing a book and the ability to overcome obstacles, may they be very quiet personal obstacles, you've already done it. So you have to lean into that, you know? And then I think it's like, um, beyond that, you know, I, I think it's just finding ways to connect with your audience. So, so certainly pre-pandemic, that's getting out there in whatever way, shape or form, like maybe you're not going on a book tour. And very early on for me, they were like, listen, there's no, no one's heard of you. There's no guarantee that there's going to be a book tour. It only started to happen when I got some initial good reviews and Bandeau was going to do it. But regardless, I was going to show up places. Like whether, whether I like rented a conference room or something, like there's no way I was not going to engage with the reader. And so I think pivoting that digitally, although is a little awkward and painful and, um, you know, we're fighting against technology. Uh, I think you'll find once you do it, it feels, I always feel great after I do one of those events going in, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And then afterwards, I've done it and I've answered great questions and I'm paying attention to the questions that are asked of me so that I can incorporate that into my messaging, you know? So I, so I really think it's just about, um, clearing the things that are not going to serve you mentally and like leaving room to just stay in that like book zone, whatever that means for you. Like to me, I know those are broader, but I, given the fact that like, my experience is so specific because I have like a, a large enough following on Instagram. I have a business that has a huge outreach. I have friends that are very influential. You know, I, I think give having that or not, I really tried to, because I could have had all that and gotten in my own way very yep. quickly. Yep. And I think like you got to stay out of your way and just know that there's always a way. I mean, certainly the fact that, that I got on that list, which I don't exactly know how, um, is proof (laughs) that, you know, that things can be done and hopefully you wrote a really great book, you know, that people are going to respond to. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I mean, I think that's really the hope. So. Well, this is fantastic. If, um, People want the book, want to find you. Instagram is the best place to find you. Yes. yes. And it's just at, at Jen, Jen Gotch. Yeah. T uh, in the place you'd think it would be. And, <laughs> and then if to get the book, um, Amazon, IndieBound, like wh- where's the best place for them to go? I mean, you, all of those places. It, actually, if you find yourself on my Instagram, there's a link in my bio that takes you to a site where you can choose where you want to to buy books. I will say um, bookshop.org is a great place right now because they're helping by giving money to independent bookstores all over the country. Um, not that Amazon isn't great, but lots of people are just going to go there automatically. So I would say if you could find a place that's helping support brick and mortar bookstores, I mean, you can even contact your local bookstore. A lot of them are doing shipping and curbside delivery. Um, but 
it's a great opportunity to buy a book and to help a business survive what's happening, you know, which is really important. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys. I'll hear you. You guys will talk next week. But Jen, thank you. Thank, thank you. No, thank you for having me. And I hope um, some of this information was helpful. <laughs> oh, very much. Okay. Okay.